it's halfway through the year. How are you getting on with your reading? Oh, well, let me just consult my book records reading journal. I I think it's going pretty well. I seem to be blitzing through the book bingo challenge. Um, obviously, I haven't ticked the classic box, which I think is what I'm going to have to aim to do. <laughs> um, how are you getting on with the alphabet challenge? Loads of the books I've been reading start with the letter T. So I think I really need to find some books which start with other letters of the alphabet. Oh, it's making me pick this up. I'm just reading through some of my favourite quotes that I've made a note of on the review pages. And I do yeah. love them. Yeah, that's my favourite page to come back to. And from the flowchart, the books that are looking most likely to be my favourite of the year are We All Want Impossible Things and Romantic Comedy. But we're only halfway through the year, so it's still all to play for. And if you need a bit of encouragement to read more or just to read different types of books, then the Book Records Reading Journal is perfect for you because it's undated, which means you can start it whenever. It doesn't matter that it's not January. Halfway through the year is a perfect opportunity. Get yours at www.bookrecos.com forward slash shop. joined by writer and host of Sentimental Garbage podcast, Caroline O'Donoghue. Caroline's latest book, Rachel Incident, publishes this month and is an all-consuming love story, but it's not the one you're expecting. It's unconventional and messy, it's young and foolish, it's about losing and finding yourself, but it's Caroline, it is an honour to have you on our podcast. We're big fans of your podcast. There was actually a time earlier this year when I thought you might be making it directly for me. Like every episode for a month was <laughs> everything I was obsessed with. And I was like, I actually don't think there's any other listeners. Like this can only be for me at this point. So thanks for I coming on us. <laughs> I love it because I'd become like, Jess's school is like a subject. <laughs> Jess I, would, I would listen. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so um, much for coming on ours. No, I'm so delighted to be here. You guys have been so kind about me and my work in the past, and it's a real delight to be here. It's lovely. Oh, well, please, Karen, can you kick things off just by telling everyone what your latest book, The Rachel Instant, is all about? Absolutely, yeah. Um, so The Rachel Instant is set in sort of 2009 and 2010, in um, which I have now realised makes it sort of a period novel, which is very strange. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> gross, isn't it? Awful. Um, and uh, it takes place in Cork City, where I grew up. And uh, it is about this girl called Rachel, who is kind of, she's 21 years old, but she's sort of, um, she's too young to be as old as she is a bit. Um, she kind of, she works sort of part-time in a bookshop while she's finishing her English degree. Her parents are um, devastated by the economic recession. So is the kind of entire city and the whole community. And she's sort of going to university in her hometown. And there's a kind of a, a sluggish and a grayness to her life. She's still with her kind of boyfriend from like secondary school. And uh, then one day when she's working at a Christmas shift, she meets James Devlin, who is just really electrifies her into living again, I think. Or maybe kind of it makes her aware of her own personality for the first time in 
her life. And he's um, incredibly sort of effervescent and fun and gay. And he, they become best friends really quickly. James is in the closet, but they sort of like in the way of like best friendships, it's not like that. Like he's, he's obviously gay, but he's choosing that it's, he can't be gay right now. And so you sort of respect that within the kind of mm. language of the friendship. Mm. And um, they kind of form this incredibly deep, tight bond very quickly. They move in together um, and they both kind of start obsessing over uh, Rachel's English professor, Dr. Byrne, who she has an enormous crush on and she confides in him about this because they're sort of like bored and young and weird they decide to sort of throw a party for dr Byrne in the bookshop for his terrible new book and sort of that rachel will seduce him from there now this might feel like a, a huge spoiler but this is only kind of 80 pages in you know somebody seduces dr Byrne, but it's not rachel <laughs> <laughs> and you can probably guess who it is um and uh, but then you know that happens that's the inciting incident of the novel it happens quite early on yeah but it's not the Rachel incident it is an incident but it's not the incident and, mm -hmm. and they're, they're kind of their lives become very tangled with Dr Byrne and his wife and this other guy they meet called Carrie and yeah it's um a lovely novel about sort of friendship and betrayal and the things that we you know we what I what I really like about it is that it's a novel told in the past tense by somebody in their mid-30s looking back on their early 20s mm -hmm. and so you kind of know that she's okay and you know that the friendship survives but the deeper you get into the novel it becomes more about like oh wow it's amazing how these friendships survive despite mm -hmm. the things we do to one another and that's what I really wanted to get at yeah and you did and I really loved <laughs> hearing you say just then about how like it's not the Rachel incident is that there was a point in the book when I was like I wonder why it is called the Rachel incident and then later <laughs> on that that is in the copy of the book I won't I won't ruin it but I was like yes yes I love this, yes. I love this. this is so clever um, <laughs> but yeah as you said we don't want to spoil anything the, the big twist is early on so yeah you could argue not a spoiler mm. but luckily there is enough to talk about in this book without talking about this specific moment um, there's so many themes and wonderful characters and things to chat about so I would love to kick us off by diving into Rachel I saw a lot of myself in Rachel I'm sure a lot of other people can and so I wondered how much of yourself went into Rachel and I guess as a secondary question is it hard to not put yourself into yeah. characters that you write, especially when they grew up where you grew up? Yeah, it's so funny because like, you know, this is my sixth book. And um, I think a lot of people naturally, because me and Rachel have the most autobi autobiography in common than okay. any other character I've ever written. We both grew up in the same place. Um, we both emigrated to London at similar times. We were both working in sort of, she works in a bookshop, I worked in the HMV. It's like, wow, yeah. <laughs> so different. Um, <laughs> even to the, to the point where um, the, the cover of the UK edition, mm. I've had several friends and like people I haven't spoken to in years being like, have they put a picture of you on the cover? Yes, we <laughs> had the same discussion. I said that to Jess and we were away last weekend. And I said to Jess like, I keep thinking it's you. And then yeah, we're like, yeah. maybe it is. It's bizarre. Like people who like people who knew me from that time as well being like, you literally had that haircut. That's sort of like grown out bob with a kind of some the Rachel. Some, yeah, the Rachel. Kind of like, yeah, kind of the Rachel. Oh my god. That's why it's called the Rachel. 
<laughs> yeah, it's absolutely mind blowing. The novel is the experience of a young woman who tries to get a With hard haircut. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and um, and so there's definitely we've got a lot in common, but we're spiritually very different people. I I think in terms of Rachel's character, I think of her as somebody who like probably did really well in school not in the way that she was like a swat on top of the class mm. but in that she really responded probably to a kind of very rigid mm. um, goal orientated sort of setting where she always knew what was expected of her and like I always kind of think of her as being someone who had all the right things for class and was always like basically clean you know like yeah that was not my vibe <laughs> I was I was sort of a bit sort of all over the place and I could never quite get academia and it was a bit bit of a stoner a bit of a mosher and it just kind of I think Rachel is somebody who I would have gone to school with and I would have thought was a bit uninteresting by virtue of um her privilege and her, her, not her, even her privilege just her kind of that she kind of has it together you know yeah <laughs> um just mentally and uh then she as a kind of a grown-up there's a kind of I kind of I think I think about this a lot because I think there's she is somebody who's incredibly competent but not very ambitious yeah and whereas I'm someone who's very ambitious and not very competent and <laughs> um there's kind of more of James in me than there is of Rachel in that like James, the character of James he's like he's 22 years old in this book but he's like scheming about how he can be like a famous screenwriter and he's like photocopying books from work on screenwriting and stuff and he's always trying to get around things and entering sort of competitions to live in Paris or whatever and that was actually closer to how I was when I was that age. Oh, I love that. So you're a bit of an amalgamation of James and Rachel. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I do sort of think that, you know, every character you ever write, no matter how small or big, is is you kind of yeah, thing. To some extent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it must feel quite nostalgic as well then, because there are so many similarities and you I think have such an incredible way of sparking a sense of nostalgia in your readers and your listeners and there were so many moments within the Rachel incident that just sent me back to growing up in the early 2000s and I, there was a specific moment where Rachel comments on like what puberty was like in the year 2000 and she mentions Paris Hilton sex tape Britney Spears's crotch shorts and yeah. Amy Winehouse drunk or never mind the buzzcocks yeah. and it hit me with this sort of wave of nostalgia as I was thrown back into that period of time and almost felt like, well, nostalgic and like, like I missed that period of time. Then I thought about it and I was like, hold on, that was a really toxic period. Um, And you mentioned, you know, just a moment ago that the book is told by, is narrated by somebody in their thirties reflecting on their twenties. Was that something that you consciously were trying to sort of, find a balance between of the the nostalgic of a really fucked up time period really yeah I, I think women. It's, a, it's a great question I'm so glad that you like no one's actually plucked out that uh that that paragraph before but I do think it's sort of like the heart of the novel is on that page where she talks about how she's talking about sort of desire and puberty and femaleness and about how She's living in the sort of the Paris Hilton. She she became she was a teenager during that kind of raunch era, but she was mm. also a teenager in Ireland, which meant that like it was still emerging from a very restrictive time. Yes, and I actually think in many ways the novel is about the crossroads of that development almost, and like and the kind of people and situations that it therefore produces. 
Um, so A star to you. (laughs) 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 So, so egotistical, like congratulating people for reading your novel. Um, but, (laughs) um, sorry, what did you say? Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, I do think so much of my work, both in Rachel and on Sentimental Garbage, the podcast is about looking back. And I do think nostalgia is kind of a form of brain damage and I like mm. I'm very wary of of like of looking at any period of time and being like wasn't it the greatest or whatever yeah. don't you don't you wish you lived in the swing in the 60s or anything <laughs> like I, I just I find it much more kind of useful and interesting to look back at the sort of various you know what was what was being pumped into the soil that we then grew out of and I, I find it fascinating and I think the benefit of having a uh, past tense novel yes. is that um you know she she's the kind of I've no, I'm under no illusion that the main people who will be reading this novel will probably be aged 25 to 40 you know so we're all we all remember the same kind of era yeah and that we'd all look back on this time together but because Rachel takes this attitude towards this period of her life which was traumatic and stressful but also delightful and wonderful and full of energy and adventure that she can look back on her own past with a kind of a sense of um god like I was so stupid but I had great legs you know like that (laughs) I really wanted that energy and I wanted the people reading it to think about their past in the same way I think there's such a uh, urge to pulverize your young self when really you're just yeah. like oh look at that gorgeous idiot <laughs> you know I think it's <laughs> you know um, and I wonder if we can touch on sort of that period a little bit more because I mean a, 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 one of the themes of your book is it it revolves around reproductive health care and specifically mm-hmm. the lack of it in Ireland and mm-hmm. um you know aware that Ireland has come a long way since the period the novel was set in in 2010, but it's still got a long way to go as well, at least in my opinion. So was that something you specifically wanted to address in the book? Um, yes. Like when I, when I sketched the novel out as like a very brief, like post-it note or whatever, yeah. I knew that I wanted to focus on a time in my life where, because it was the pandemic, um and I was like everybody else I was sort of so sick of it and so depressed and yeah. just needed something to cheer myself up and I needed something to lift me out of that kind of depression so I wanted to write about a sort of a joyful time the more I zeroed in on that experience the more I realized like so much of Irish women and their like yeah. personal identity is formed around like we just spoke about this kind of the era of like the kind of crossroads of the raunch culture versus emerging out of like a really restrictive sexual culture and like what that produces and like so much of our identity I think millennial Irish woman for sure emerges from this lack of reproductive rights that we all grew up with and the way that we were all we grew up expected to have sex because we were living in the modern world but also knowing that if we were to get pregnant we would never be able to either afford an abortion or Mm -hmm. tell our parents because most of our parents were still of a generation where they thought that you know it was not such a good idea um and so I often think it's so funny because you know I'm often asked about other Irish millennial authors and how there's like so many of us and how brilliant that is and but how often with these books um, we are all obsessed with sort of 
restrictive sexuality and women finding themselves through sex and I think that is all a reaction to the kind of world we were brought up on mm. and I think it's a very specific one and it become it's becoming like more and more resonant with people I think first of all because of like like Roe v. Wade being overturned and stuff people are just like wow this they're amazed that the battle isn't over mm. but yeah. also that it like Ireland feels like like an exaggeration of what people feel like anyway if you know what I mean <laughs> like people yeah. already feel like they both have to be encouraged to have sex but also shamed for having sex and that was kind of our that was quite in the text of Ireland <laughs> you know what I mean so sorry I, I feel like I'm being very garbled but I have a lot of like overlapping feelings on the subject yeah but that's kind of the whole point like yeah of, of yeah. Rachel and why she's not the best at relationships and like I actually want to come on to talk about Carrie a bit because yeah. there was a bit that I um, I've actually pulled out a quote because wow it resonated a lot <laughs> it was, um, courtship was about text messages it was about sending someone good morning and a good night message it was ending every text with an x or three x's or a long line of them when you were really pleased it was withholding x's when you were moody and then they would notice and ask what was wrong and these were the rules of love I learned from my all-girls school and it confused me when someone didn't play boy did I know <laughs> so much I'd like even even now I'm like mm, no no kiss there like it's such a language that yeah. that we all sort of have and it's especially hard for Rachel who finds herself enthralled and like to the point where I also felt like this must be the most passionate love story ever the way that it was written <laughs> and the way that they were like gross and dirty because they yeah. were such a so in their love bubble I was like I'm in these dirty sheets with them and like I need yeah, to go yeah. and get a fresh <laughs> pair of knickers like so well done and so I wondered if in your mind Kerry is a good guy or a bad guy at the beginning yeah oh my god I'm I love him I love <laughs> him I love him <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like I mean, with that, obviously nobody sets out to write a character of being oh he's a good guy or bad guy or whatever. But um, I what I what I really wanted to show with that character, and he is, and he so she's twenty one, he's about twenty seven, but he's like mm. um, he's a bit of a he's just a bit of a loser. Like he's, <laughs> he's such a lovable loser, and he's just like you know he has dropped out of several uni courses and. He's kind of, he's traveled a couple of times and, you know, he's just sort of, he's bounced around and now he's ended up in Cork. He's from the North originally. And um, he's really, he's really trying to get it together. And I think if he was a person, if he was a young man now, he someone would, someone would send him to therapy and someone would have gotten him in like an ADHD medication thing. And he would <laughs> probably have gotten his life together sooner. But ultimately this is 2011 and he can't. And so, so um, ultimately, he's just like a very loving, tender, silly, clever, funny man. But he's also just a mess. And he's yeah. just like, just can't quite get it together. And he's, he, he wants to be there for Rachel, but he sort of kind of feels like he's not good enough for her. Kind of feels like that she is, um, like in her head, she's very dedicated to him. But in his head, she's yeah. kind of a flake. Like he he thinks she thinks that he's a flake, but he thinks yeah. she's the one because he thinks that like all she really cares about is impressing her friend James. And he kind of gets a bit bored of being the supporting player to their like basically pretending that they live on a talk show all the time. And like we can sort of <laughs> see that that might be annoying if you're not like in it. And what I what I wanted to do with him is sort of have a, a little little bit of a lesson. 
to young women and you know women of all kinds who like we're so wrapped up in our own discourse and our own deconstruction of what men are doing and how they're behaving that we would rather diagnose a man as a psychopath than diagnose him as a human being <laughs> like i just and he's really he's she she acts like he's so complicated but he's so simple and he's so honest and he never lies to her you know yeah yeah he's like an accidental boy like he just doesn't mean to be and like yeah. to modern day women you're like red yeah. flag red flag but actually like yeah. we weren't as readily available to each other a decade ago as we are now and that you know he was just his own guy and yeah I loved him I adored him yeah. um, and I'm really I glad that you I just did. brought up James Devlin because I wanted to talk about the other man in her life yeah um and how again like Rachel just seems enthralled by him and like allows her her friendship with James Devlin to be like her whole personality and she just loves him so much but what I really loved is that it is reciprocated like on the surface you might be like oh she's way too invested in this friendship but actually like when he stands up for her in front of other characters it's like oh no this is such a fab friendship and as you say the fact that we do see that 10 years later they are still friends mm. it was so wonderful do you have a favorite character <laughs> is that, is that oh, mean to no, us yeah. <laughs> No, I, I love them all. I really, and I think what I love about the um the Rachel and James thing, I think it's like really, you know, sometimes you get the kind of, I don't know, the clever readers or whatever, who is sort of being like, oh, their relationship is actually pretty toxic. Like I've, I've read that kind of, I've had that question a few times and I've had like, seen a few reviews that have mentioned that their friendship is sort of like intense to the point of codependency and therefore being toxic. And they, they don't not have a point. Like they're like, there's <laughs> definitely like, yeah, as we said with the Carrie thing, like it kind of, their closeness is so absorbing to the point where it almost like destroys that relationship. Um, and what I think is nice is that like, yes, on the surface, you could say that it was like this sort of shallow thing of these two like giddy, basically teenagers who have like ended up in a house shared together and they sort of act like they're just, Ooh, no parents like, <laughs> like you know, they create weird private jokes that go way too deep and way too hard and no one can penetrate it and um all this and and you would and I also think that like the relationships between gay men and straight women are frequently depicted in the culture as being very shallow relationships yeah um, and that's not I'm thinking about a lot but like um then when it gets to sort of the crux of the novel, we realize that this friendship that we thought was like the sort of intense poppy love of two basically teenagers is actually like the things they do for each other are like enormous and yeah. Yeah. brave and, you know, incredible. And, you know, that's what, and you're like, when you see those scenes, you're like, oh, that's why they're still friends because they're capable of accessing this kind of empathy for one another. Um, so I, I loved writing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And they also like they hold each other's dreams for each other, which sounds really cheesy. But I just think their savings account of where they were saving to emigrate to London together. That's mm. the most romantic gesture, I think, between two friends to sort of, you know, create to put their cards on the table and have something to work towards and encourage each other. I just thought that was like that was a really beautiful um, metaphor for their friendship as well. Oh, I'm so glad you said. I th I'm so glad you said that because I, I was thinking. So basically, I'm, you know, every, every, you know, you have to have like your big essay that you write when your novel comes out, and like <laughs> you can hopefully like place in the Observer or whatever. And so I'm working on this essay about this um, 
the relationship between straight women, gay men, mm. why it's so often ridiculed and like what like what is it? Like what is this like special kind of magnetism that happens and like everyone I know like has a version of this in their life. And it's often a friendship that's gone on for over a decade and there's like two people who've really held each other. And I do think part of it is that like some of the not even ugliest but like least appealing qualities that you can have that your female friends I'm just thinking it was all from the woman's perspective Mm. but your female friends might think is a bit like oh she's a bit you know she's obsessed with herself kind of thing yeah I mean like women do do that like we do obsessed with herself there um and or like with when you're with straight men you kind of you don't want to seem like you're selfish egotistical mm, too loud too much or whatever it has a specific breeding ground within straight women and gay men I think where like we as you said hold each other's fantasies for one another and we like what if we are two stars and there's few relationships I think that can hold both like what if you and I are secretly in disguise two famous people but also like what yeah. if we're both really disgusting <laughs> <You know? laughs> I loved it yeah um and Jess actually um inspired me when we started this podcast to start reading acknowledgements I used to always flick past the acknowledgements in books um and I'm so glad I read your acknowledgements acknowledgements because you mentioned that you wrote this book during the really bleak 2021 lockdown but you mentioned that you actually were right on a deadline for another book at the time and can you talk to us more about that? Because I think if I've uh, understood it correctly, you stopped writing that book to then pick up and write The Rachel Incident. So what was it that, like, did an idea come to you? Did the story come to you really vividly that you had to literally down tools and just write this? And yeah, what was that like? It was far less romantic than that. What happened was I, um, so, you know, I, uh, as you know, I wrote um, young adult fiction as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So I wrote, I wrote two novels with Virago. And then um, shortly after that, I sold this trilogy to Walker and um, trilogies have to be produced very quickly. So even though I had another novel in the bank with Virago, they were like, listen, we, we kind of get it. And you need to finish this series of novels. Yeah but we will be wanting that novel kind of thing. Okay. And I, I had, I had sold an outline and I had based it off of a short story that I had written a few years prior. And I had this whole world in my head and it was oh, very, for want of a better word, without getting into the whole plot, it was very black mirror. It was very like, um, Oh no, the phones, you know, like it was. Very okay. And then I, I, well, it would be one of those projects where I would open it up every um, couple of weeks or whatever. And, added on a few thousand words and then um you know sometimes I'd have a few days in a row where I would get some really good work done and sometimes I'd forget about it for weeks mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't really going anywhere I think there was some good writing in it and some good characters but ultimately it just wasn't I got 75,000 words in and there was I just felt like it had barely left the starting blocks do you know what I mean it was just really? so it was so labored and I also realized something about myself which is that there's a certain kind of novel that I love to read but is not my destiny to write oh Um, interesting and for and by that I mean like the you know sort of 
millennial woman having mean thoughts you know like that sort of thing mm. where it's like it's like very like um sardonic and yeah. um, vaguely dystopian and kind of um dry like, like funny but like quite cruel like I mean for example Tessa Marshveig does that kind of writing where um she's getting at a kind of narcissism within the culture and that's what she's concerned with and I enjoy reading those books yeah but then I try and when I sit down and try and write like that I just get depressed because <laughs> like I'm just not like I'm just like a very upbeat person and mm-hmm. like I I realized that like even though I could I could read 10 of these books I couldn't write one of them and that was what this book was it was just so that and so I realized in about February of maybe January of 21 that like I not only could I not finish this book but I also couldn't promote it for two years do you know what I mean like wow I couldn't, yeah I couldn't God, that must be so hard yeah. though 75,000 words in and you're like I, just, I yeah yeah I struggle to when I'm reading a book and I'm yeah. like hi I'm not vibing I'm like no I've already read 200 pages that'll be a waste <laughs> of time if I don't continue I with this so I really feel for you but I yeah, to write something that you've described as Black Mirror in what was definitely the worst bit of lockdown, that January yeah. 21 to April, yeah, yeah. where it was like the longest stretch. Yeah, probably for the it, best that you stepped away it was from not the Black the, Mirror It was world. not the vibe, yeah. And, and yeah. also it was like this thing of, you know, the only thing that was keeping society together was technology. Mm. Like mm. we just had this like global mass vaccination and like, you know the kind of the alerts about oh, yeah whether or not you had COVID. Like literally, it was the only thing keeping society together. So it seems quite churlish to be like, I hate them. <laughs> 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 um, um, but so then I had this um. I had this like paragraph in my notes app about just just a vague sketch of the Rachel incident, and I my publishers were like, we need the book by May. We need we just wow. need it otherwise it's going to be this many years since your last adult novel we really want to get something out and I was like if I can write this between February and May oh my god yeah yeah (laughs) I know like it's it is mad that you can spend years writing one thing that never gets published and then you can write another thing in 11 weeks and you know it can just like I don't know get responded it's so weird (laughs) it was clearly the like the right thing at the right time and what you were writing for like maybe maybe one day you'll publish that but yeah Rachel Instant was needed at that time and I'm glad it's now publishing at this time um yeah just to to summarize what I'm I'm very happy that your book was marketed as this like youth and young adulthood and like everything feels really intense at the time and you also feel everything really intensely at the time and it's like a time of discovery and I went into the book being like great this is exactly what I've been sold and it was exactly what it was you know sometimes people yeah. are quick to market something as like so funny and nostalgic and it's just not like oh thank my you god for having it actually be what it's marketed as it's, it's absolutely my... what it says on the tin oh thank you so much because that's my worst thing like I get sent so many proofs of books and the blurb says a darkly funny look yeah blah 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 and it's like darkly funny like by page 12 two people commit suicide and you're like what (laughs) (laughs) just dark yeah no this was like everything it said it would be and you've you've encompassed so much it It just like the whole thing feels like that chaotic time in our lives which we all we've all been through we all know did it feel chaotic? I mean, maybe it did feel chaotic to write in 11 weeks, but like, yeah. aside from the time constraints, were you just like 
there for the madness or, or were oh you like god. oh my god <laughs> it was the happiest time like, in, oh, like I love it was so so happy because in the I'm mean, obviously in the you know broader scheme of things it was a miserable time you know it was during that phase of the pandemic where like the Christmas had just been cancelled remember that yeah oh. yeah everyone no was meeting one. in car parks and yeah. yeah and it was so cold yeah so so cold for so long yeah and it felt like I remember the first lockdown it was like the summer came really early in the second by the second year it felt like it came really late yeah it yeah. just like felt like it was winter that went on forever it was so de- anyway sorry we, we all we all remember that but, um, <laughs> so what, what the thing is is that at, at that time I was working on this and also on sentimental in the city with Dolly at the same time yes so Fantastic I had podcast. this thank you very much <laughs> I'm so I love it too it's great um but the um, it was this lovely, I had found this kind of groove of like spending this time with this, these great characters all day who I loved and had fun writing and was so absorbed by it. And then at night I would either watch Sex and the City or talk about Sex and the City with my best friend. And oh like, my God. Dream, dream. <laughs> yeah. Like pure escapism. Yeah, totally. And so I think of that as being such a such a lovely time, even though it was the world was so small and my world was so small. It was great. Yeah, that sounds fab. And <laughs> I really hope what I'm about to ask you isn't fake news and that I read this correctly, but yeah. that the production rights have been secured and that maybe you're you're writing the script. Yes, correct. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. No, we've written a script before. <laughs> yeah, Are you like, no, where I did don't... you see that? <laughs> is that release? I do. It's in a news article, but I was like, yes. yeah, it could be fake news. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. No, the thing is, it's so funny because, like, um, you know, often production rights get bought or whatever. And, yeah. Like, and then they lapse out of, you know, like I've had loads of things be um, acquired and then they just fall out or whatever. It happens with like, more things than not. Um, and it's funny because then like someone will introduce you for like a panel or something and they're like, and such and such a book is being adapted for a movie. And I'm like, no, it isn't. <laughs> <Not anymore. laughs> but, with, but with Rachel, I mean, it seems like the it's the closest it's ever been to something maybe perhaps happening. So it was purchased by Universal um, under Elliot Page's production company. Um, Amazing. So I, I haven't met him yet, but I would like to. Um, and yeah I've written the script and what's so annoying about it is that we had we had some news about it not that it's getting made but like something had happened with it and then the WGA strike in America happened uh, so we can't do anything so it has to all yeah. grind it to a halt and um which is so annoying but uh <laughs> obviously support the strike etc yeah um but <laughs> Yeah, no, I and I do I do write scripts. I'm working on um, a few TV projects right now. Um, Amazing. Yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, uh, I can't really officially talk about any. No, of them, I know it's much yeah. harder to talk about TV than it is books for whatever reason. Exactly. Um, you just have so, so many collaborators and you don't know who you could annoy. Whereas the book, <laughs> yeah. is like it's just like yeah, whatever. It's, it's mine. It's mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing! Congrats! And oh, thank you. Keeping I'm everything really crossed that it. that one comes through—that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Because um, I've got wedding to pay for this year, so yes. <laughs> like... I highly enjoyed the wedding episode of the podcast. That was in that month where I was like, another episode that's directly from me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that episode too. Yeah, and we actually had Lauren Bravo on our podcast chatting about pre-loved. 
Isn't she the best? The best. No, she Lovely. had. A, she, she's had a baby recently, and every time I see that baby online, I'm like, oh, imagine if Lauren Bravo was your mom. <laughs> <laughs> so nice yeah yeah <laughs> so is is what's what is next for you I mean I know you've got so much going on all the time is it tv or have you got this other book in in the works how how is Caroline's life looking at the moment <laughs> oh yeah it's so I at the minute I am like trying really hard to have a life um because I've sort of it's, it's always a... such a challenging question when to ask somebody when you know, they've just released this massive book we're greedy we're greedy yeah yeah <laughs> it is because like, I've I've sort of this is like it's so strange I'm 33 now and this is my sixth book which feels it's amazing so weird but like I I don't understand because you know how like you look at influencers sometimes online and they're like I don't understand where the money is coming from. Like, <laughs> what? How is your life so beautiful? Surely you can't be getting it all from like this one toothpaste yeah. ad. Like, yeah. How, how is it? I feel like my life is the opposite. Like, it's like, <laughs> where is the money going? <laughs> it's like I ask myself that question on the regs. <laughs> you know I mean? I'm just like I'm so bad at like at like you know having a nice house. Like you can obviously see the printer over there. Like I'm so like it's just like basic life things, like you know, um, having a clean bathroom or you know having regular date nights with my partner or whatever yeah. or that things like that. That like I feel like I've been the last sort of ten years of my life have been so work obsessed, and I'm really trying to find balance at the moment. So like since so I'm promoting Rachel right now. I'm taking yeah. like I'm trying to take like half days where I like. I'm trying to get some kind of regular exercise routine because I've never had one and you know what I mean? I'm just trying to have doing you life. yeah yeah <laughs> this feels nice. good yeah <laughs> I think it feels good too um a life that isn't just either working or getting pissed with friends and um yeah and and so so sorry that's that's kind of the the, the goal at the moment nice uh to to get married to to possibly buy a flat if I can so I'm living in this like shite rental in Lewisham right now and um yeah and, and so that, that's the life plans um and I am also working on some tv bits I've got a another young adult book coming out um which is nice the same series or or a totally new no, a whole new thing oh wow but it's quite yeah it's quite early on in the yeah in the vibes can't say much about that but like um I kind of I like doing the thing where it's like one adult book one book yeah. for teenagers kind yeah. of thing um because it sort of brings out different parts of my I don't know things I'm interested in um, but yeah, it could be it could be a few years before I have another grown up book out, and I think I'm really looking forward to writing that from a different perspective because I feel like I've written every book I've done has been about quite young people, mm. and like I'm interested in just sort of having a bit of life for a bit and then sort of like coming back up when it's like I have more things to say about people in their thirties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's something yeah. to look forward to. That's fun. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously um, the podcast is the podcast you know yeah exactly. please, please don't have a break from that for two years I don't know what I've yeah done. you deserve <laughs> yeah. a break but just not not for the pod yeah. um thank you so much Caroline it's been an absolute treat talking to you today about your wonderful new book um before you go we always ask guests on our podcast to leave our readers with a recommendation of your own so a book you've read recently or you know a firm favorite of yours what what would you reco? 
the most recent book that I got like totally blown away by was The Interestings by Meg Wallitzer. I love oh, that yes. book. It's so good. So good. I can't, I just it, it was just a novel about like these um people in their forties who met when they were at a sort of an, an artistic performing arts kind of summer camp in the seventies. And it's this lovely thing that I just love in books are these people pe- about people who've known each other for a long time. And it kind of has a similar, if you actually, if people like the Rachel Linton, they'd love the interesting thing of like people, I know it should be the other way around. It's like, if you like the interesting, <laughs> you like the Rachel Linton. But that thing of like people who've known each other forever and the sort of the various trials and betrayals and things that have gone on, I find that sort of stuff very addictive. Yeah. It, it also taught me so much about so many different things. Like it touches on some really dark subjects but it's all done like so easy to read you'll feel like part of the friendship group it's fantastic thank you for reminding me of that book I'm gonna definitely yeah I can't believe they never adapted it so like it's incredible yeah oh amazing thank you for that yeah Um, and thank you for this this has been so fun and lovely Mm -hmm. I've loved this thank you it's been as joyful as reading your book so everybody it comes out this month in June is it the same in the US yeah yeah simultaneous yeah fantastic Thank um, you so, so everyone, much. Please buy a copy. Yes, this is great. And like, I, it's so funny because like going on other people's podcasts now, I feel like I've been talking incessantly because I generally, <laughs> on my podcast, I have to interview people. So I'm really enjoying the like, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to talk and they can't shut me up. <laughs> we didn't want to. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today's episode then like subscribe leave a rating review it costs you nothing it genuinely means the world to us and share our podcast with your reading buddy because they might enjoy it too and if you don't already follow us on instagram at book recos for funny enough more book recommendations see you next week we'll be here